and welcome to Novel Not New, a Truen podcast. It's a narrative gaming podcast presented like a book club. I'm your host, Jennifer Uncle. Uh, joining me as always, uh, Six Detmar. Quick load? <laughs> Indeed. And Olivia Joseph. Hi. <laughs> uh, getting getting uh, big Tommy Lee Jones, I cannot endorse your tomfoolery energy right now. Hello, gamers. I'm here. Indeed you are. Um, I don't know whether it's proper not to mention that we had a recording problem last time. Yeah, we uh... fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) We got bodied by Hurricane Henry. Fucked our whole life up. And now we have another hurricane that's going to be approaching my direction in like a few days. So, fingers crossed that goes okay. But, uh... Yeah. Is that Ida? Is that right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's Ida. I know some Idas in fiction. No, <laughs> no one in real life, you know. <laughs> Good story. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what have you been up to, Olivia? Um, well, aside from this game, I also played um, Volume Three of Umineko. Um, I'm back in. I'm back to it. My haters say I will never finish Umineko, but I will prove them wrong. So, is this your summer season of Umineko? This is. I've decided to play them seasonally. So, Volume mm-hmm. Three was my summer Umineko for the year, and then when it gets uh, the first day where I'm like, "Wow, it really is fall, huh?" That's when I start Volume Four of Umineko. Mm. And your part of the world is that going to be a thing you can tell? Yeah, I live in okay. I live in New York. I don't know where you live. I just know you. I just know your time zone. I don't ask too many questions. <laughs> uh, I it's, listen. For me, it's always shut the fuck up Friday. <laughs> listen, it's honestly. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's getting harder to tell when the seasons change. But um, mm. especially now that I just got an air conditioner installed, so it can be 70 degrees all the time. But mm-hmm. you know, I look at the weather every day probably the first like probably the first solid run of like 70 degree weather in september i'm gonna be like all right chapter four let's go see for me it's uh i'm i'm in the los angeles the greater los angeles area um and so there's basically only there are two seasons there's hot 90 percent of the year and then there's the dead middle of summer where so I have uh, I, I, I have my own, I rent a room in a house right mm-hmm. um, and at the moment the count is I have hooked up um, an air purifier um, a PC like a tower PC and counting here one two three four five six seven consoles um, and it's a small space they generate a lot of goddamn heat um, and so the other season besides 90% of the year is the percent of the year where I open the door to like use the screen door to vent and it's actually hotter out there. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. That's real bad. The but. two seasons in LA, hot and spicy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's, let's hear about Umineko. Okay. So it's maybe kind of insane to say that um, three... Uh, three volumes and 35 hours into a game series that it's really starting to come together, but it really is. Um, Ryukishi 
the author of Umaneko is nothing if not self-indulgent. And sometimes that's admirable of him. And other times, oh my god, please just finish the scene. Please just finish the scene. And he never just finishes the scene. Um, so volumes one and two were kind of like intense setup. Um, and now in now in volume three, it's like, it feels like, you know, we are, we're, we're not necessarily running towards a conclusion, but we are lightly jogging. I think volume three adds some really valuable, like, side characters that really kind of um, fill out the game. And it kind of just, like, now it has a structure that it can really start to play with and subvert. Um, you get some good character arcs. There are scenes that are basically indistinguishable from a fate fight scene, uh, which are pretty fun. And Wait, there are fights? Oh, there oh, yeah. are fights in Umineko. But everyone's... Oh, is, is, I mean, there's Beatrice the Golden Witch, and then, according to what you've told me, Per, uh, in in indistinguished like an uncertain number more Beatrice Golden Witches. Yeah, and I assume they have the power, but everybody else is just a just just a, a person with a weird hairdo. Well, here's the thing, six. Um, mm-hmm. magic functions via belief, right? Okay, sure. So, right. if you believe that a weapon is powerful, it will be powerful against even a witch. And what weapon? do more people believe is powerful than a gun. Making- so, okay, so magic works for everyone. It's not like a witch's power is... So what makes a witch special, then? Well, I don't think magic works for everyone, actually. People are said in Umaneko to have varying degrees of magical talent and ability. Um, it is specifically stated in Umaneko Volume 3 that guns are incredibly powerful against witches because humans as a species believe that things die when you shoot them. <laughs> Which makes it a law of the universe that even witches cannot circumvent. Um, okay, so at some level, everyone has magic. It's just a very low level for most people so that they can't actually use magic, but that their belief still has influence, and so collectively they empower guns. Hmm. I don't know if that's the exact cosmology, um, but basically. Um, okay. okay. So yes, uh, Battler's dad is, at one point has a sawed-off Winchester rifle and is like using it as a melee and ranged weapon against a demon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and it's and it's a fucking sick fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's various points throughout the game too where suddenly a character you don't expect will pick up a gun and just have this intense, angry, overjoyed look in their face, and it's like, oh shit's going on now. And yeah, yeah there's like four rifles in the in the um, Ushiromiya family mansion, and anytime someone touches them, they go sicko mode. <laughs> Does the does the magic leak back into them? Is that an explanation for? Hmm, I don't want to go down this road. Actually, I it's decided specifically, I don't want to go. It's specifically having the gun that makes you decide to try and kill things, like in real life. You know. Yeah. Right. But I, I'm trying to figure out if they are implying that in the rest of the world, the fact that guns make people violent is magic. No. No. That's no. not at all. Okay. It good. Is, okay. It is good. literally just like. When you are a certain kind of person and you have life and death power over a situation, you begin to act in ways to exercise that power. Sure. Okay, that's totally fair. 
Yeah, the Ashurmia family is filled with bastards, and as soon as they get any sort of upper hand in a situation, they will take advantage of it. Uh, there's also a sick part where Badler's dad runs out of ammo, so he reloads the gun as he spins it, and spins it around to like where the demon has teleported behind him and shoots her. And then he says, <laughs> all he says... Uh, to explain how he can do that is don't underestimate a man who grew up on westerns. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which I, is, I will not. Lesson which learned. Is, uh, deeply powerful. It was a lot of fun. Um, uh, the end of volume three basically introduces like another kind of overarching structure for the books. Um, so I'm interested in seeing where it goes basically. Um, I like a lot of those characters and I feel like we have we have hit a stride now with them. Yeah. Hearing that it took you 35 hours to get there is making me realize that maybe I shouldn't just keep waiting for the voice lines to finish when I'm playing, because comparatively, it took me uh, 55 and a half hours to reach the same point. I let the voice lines play out sometimes um, in specific scenes, but most of the time, I'm just going. And I'm a pretty fast reader, so I'll just be like, come on. But... You know, in the fight scenes, if, like, music is playing, if the if the game is doing something specific in a scene with tech speed and, like, how how fast words come out, I will slow down and just kind of let that happen. But uh, if, if characters are just kind of, like, chatting, if we're filling time, then I'll just go. Yeah, that's fair. Whenever the grandpa is having one of his lengthy wailing speeches, I tend to button through that pretty fast. <laughs> He's ma- now, he has maybe now, the most extra voice. <laughs> now, on the other hand, if Beatrice starts cackling, then I'm all for it. I never knew one person could have so many different ways to cackle until I played this. Listen, if you're going to voice Beatrice the Golden Witch, you've got to hire an expert in cackling. Uh, <laughs> so... I was doing some looking just because I'm trying to keep track of these characters, and I didn't know that A, your girlfriend is in this game, Jen, and also apparently she gets her hand on the Winchester, huh? Oh yeah, Kyrie. <laughs> the, yeah. Scene where, the scene where Kyrie gets her hand on the Winchester is sick. Yeah. It's such a good scene. Uh, I, I really like her whole outfit, too. Like, the tie going on with the it seems like she's wearing, like, a vest slash dress. It's it's an interesting look. All of the family outfits in this game are just ridiculous. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's a great outfit. Uh, six, Google, Google Battler uh, Ushiromiya and just look at how this man is wearing, like, a full-body pajama suit. Hey, he's a clown boy. I don't know. <laughs> 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 yeah and also like most of their outfits incorporate across at in some capacity because they're they explain early on and throughout that uh the grandfather was a huge um uh, nerd for western culture so he basically has a bunch of like he designed the mansion to look like a western mansion and he named his kids after western names and things like that they are specifically like western sounding names which he built out of out of hiragana and then like came up with bizarre readings for that hiragana which is just truly some like rich person shit mm-hmm. <laughs> man is on one 
I... The thing... What I need, right, is I tried playing some of this, and I could try again. It's not like... I, I just... It's just it was slow, right? Which mm-hmm. is sort of the thing about this. Um, but the main thing for me is I need an alternate dimension version of myself to play through this game and build a mod where it chooses which sprites to use at what time because 90% of the time I like the original sprites better but like certain CGs and stuff just look amazing in the redone and I just need the perfect combination I don't need I don't want to have to figure this out that's the good thing it it actually will just use the CGs from the from the remakes oh it just uses you see you can have it use the old sprites but when it CGs it's the new CGs like it just does that I don't think there were CGs in the original. Is the thing? Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I should try again. Because that that was <laughs> the thing. Is these the like the original sprites are so good. I love I love Battler's hands. I love his <laughs> stupid hands that are just balls. Yeah, and Beatrice's cackling face is also much better in the original, just because it's very cat-like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, can't, you can't get rid of... Well, Battler's also cat-like is the thing. Like, they're made for each other because it's a cat-boy-cat-girl relationship. <laughs> that is true, yeah. Did I, re- did I tell the story on this podcast about talking to my sister about this? Mm-mm. Um, so my sister, before before all my friends got into um, Umineko, was watching through a Let's Play of Umineko. And, like... Two months later, I was like, hey, you were playing through Umineko. How did, like, reading through Umineko, how did that go? And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, you know, the, the, the golden witch and the, the magic. And she's, and she's like, listen, I mean, you know I have ADHD. I believe you. I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> she has no memory of that helping. <laughs> uh, <huh>. So... <laughs> That was that was my opportunity to figure out what was going on with the Golden Witch easily, and uh, I was shut down by. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with the Golden Witch. Well, sure, but you're only in you know summer two or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I'm only in the third. It's the, <laughs> like it's the third volume. It's very simple. Volume four is going to be my autumn volume. Volume five is going to be my winter volume. Um. And then volume six is going to be my spring volume. But you already had a spring volume. I mean, it's no, I hadn't because I actually read volume one and two in the summer. Okay, well, you're going to have a second summer. (sighs) Yeah, (laughs) probably. I mean, in fact, you you just finished your second summer, and you're going to have a third summer. I'm going to have a third summer. This might shock you, but I've also had twenty six other summers. (laughs) I'm narrowing my eyes a lot at you right now. I'm really There's confused about what length seasons. you're on, Six. <laughs> I just... We can move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In that case, what did you play, Six? Uh, I mean, I've been streaming. So I played Lifeline on the PS2. That's a story game. Is it? You basically don't press any buttons, Jen. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> no, story games are not defined by how many buttons you have to press. In that case, Umineko would be the least story game in the whole world. Because okay, I'm well, constantly pressing buttons. The entire game is dialogue. How about that? Okay. Alright. So, you are unnamed guy. You're up on a space station, right? 
Mm-hmm. And as there's like a party to to like sort of be like, hey, we opened the space station. Isn't that exciting? We don't do very many space stations. This is sick. And you're there with your girlfriend. And then uh, aliens attack. And you pass out or are knocked out. I don't remember. Probably get knocked out. It's probably manly. It's probably very manly. Um, and you wake up and you're locked in the control room of the space station. You can't leave. But what you can do is control the cameras remotely unlock some doors and talk to anyone who has a headset that's linked up to the control room. And so there's this waitress, right? With me so far. Her name is Rio. And she's like, listen, we got to figure out what's going on and also hopefully not die. And you're going to have to guide me through that. And so it's a voice action adventure that's what it says on the box (laughs) yeah it's it's a survival horror video game that you control with your voice and Uh, uh, including combat which is very bad (laughs) uh i mean as i said it's a ps2 game um i can only imagine that the uh extremely valid way that i'm playing it that involves making my that headset I'm using right now to control it um, helps with the voice recognition, right? Because this is a better microphone than the PS2 headset. Mm-hmm. But even so, limitations are inevitable. And it makes the game take a lot longer than. <laughs> It's a lot of being like, well, first of all, it's originally a Japanese game. And so you're dealing with stuff where like, okay, like there's this box of paper on the table, right? So you're like, look at Kleenex, look at tissues, look at box, look at paper. And then it turns out it's wax paper. um, And you had to say wax paper. Um, Everything else she didn't respond to. Or actually, it would be better if she didn't respond to it. Because what usually happens is you're like, look at tissues. And she says, go to the bed. Okay. Or leave the room. Okay. And then walks away. It's a little like hurting a cat, basically. (laughs) It's like, it's like hurting a cat while you're uh, talking through a connection hampered by Hurricane Henry. (laughs) Um, As far as story wise, though. Uh, because, of course, this is a story podcast, right? <laughs> story games. Um, so uh, there are these probably aliens, or probably not actually. At this point, it's starting to seem like maybe they aren't aliens. Um, but you are making your way through this place. You're looking for your girlfriend, and also you're looking for a reporter that, that uh, Rio needs to talk to. Um, but... There might be something of a connection forming between you and Rio, especially because there was a room we had to enter by saying a wedding vow because this game is hell. I hate it when I have to do that <laughs> with my waitress. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Um, this game uh, has the most maddening voice locks ever. <laughs> like, There was a voice lock you ran into at some point where they were like, Okay, read out the formula for this, and if you get it wrong, you just hear this person's <laughs> voice say, "Wrong, try again." <laughs> well, it's 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 great because, like, honestly, it's been you know like 
stilted voice acting in the way that like it's trying to match the lip sync and it's you know directed by non-native speakers but like the actors are mostly professionals but yeah the voice actor for that one lock where the guy just goes read this and then posts a chemical formula and you say something and he just goes wrong <laughs> it's like this is clearly just an intern who you pulled into a sound booth for five minutes um I also had to figure out what type of candy someone else needed to collect to get into the room. Like, I don't know. Do, do you want people getting into your room? <laughs> Why don't you just make the password like a thing that you don't give them a hint about? And now I'm just criticizing survival horror right now. But Yeah, like That's when, you, fun. when you get that answer wrong too, he even gives you hints about where you can go find out that information. Like he desperately wants someone to come and break into his room just to give him a little bit of excitement in his life. Listen, if I was living on a space station, there's not a lot of exciting stuff happening. You have to make your own entertainment. I mean, they're aliens, apparently. That's well, exciting. Yeah, but... Nobody in the space station could count on the aliens being there. I feel like if you work on a space, I would be counting down the days. I'd be like, <laughs> I know aliens are going to show up. I know how this goes. I know something is going to blow up. <laughs> Honestly, I hope it's the aliens, because that would be way better than like drifting through space in a suit and waiting to run out of oxygen. That sounds real bad. That does sound real bad. Not a big fan of that. Anyway, uh, I'm going to finish Lifeline. Um, I gotta do some more streaming. I gotta, I gotta power through it. Um, but the game is like, it's awkward. It controls badly. The writing, like, it's horny, but it's like bad at being horny in ways that are weird. Um, and just like, also the weirdest part are the moments where suddenly it is incredibly fluid in English. Because as I've said, it's really bad at this stuff generally. But there was one point where they were like, what do we, like, there's this monster and it's afraid of fire. But oh no, this flamethrower is out of, out of power. What are we going to do? And they were like, do you have any ideas? And I was like, matches, lighter fluid, whatever. I don't fucking know. And she kept being like, mm, try again. And finally, like my 10th guess as she was like, last try, I was just exasperated. And I said, Molotov cocktail. And she was like, yeah, Molotov cocktail. I was like, how the fuck do you know that? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a, it's a wild ride. Um, probably only one more update for me because until I beat it, I bet they won't be that much exciting. But once I beat it, I'll come back and, you know, you know, tell you what's up with the aliens. Yeah, Ho or I not hope aliens. you find your. I hope you find your girlfriend and don't get involved in a in a dangerous tryst with this waitress. I'm still kind of confused about the waitress thing. What What are you confused about? Um, is there a restaurant in space? I mean, it's a space station. I just I think of that more as like a cafeteria situation. I think I I guess I would say like she was a waitress for the party. Generally, she's just an employee of the station. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, and the um, way they set up that space station is less like a work environment and more like a hotel that rich people can go to. Okay. I was thinking more like, this is where we work. Um, you know, like, a, I guess I was thinking about a different game that I know about of working on a space station where something possibly involving aliens goes wrong. Oh, sure. I, yeah, I, I think I can guess name. that one. <laughs> can you not? <laughs> or is this a bit? It's not a bit. 
Alien Isolation, I assumed? No, this is... No, okay. I was actually thinking about a totally different game. Okay. You were like, I don't know, some some game on a space station where, with aliens, and I was like... Mm. No, See, I just thought Dead Space... <laughs> There's a lot, yeah. There's a lot of games where this stuff happens. It's a, it's a, it's a rich subgenre. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, honestly, I'm hoping my girlfriend's dead, and uh, and then I can hit on Rio when she dumps me. That sounds great. <laughs> uh, all the times that you demand her to do a sexy pose on the microphone. <laughs> uh, which, Listen, which... she seems pretty stoked about it. Also, usually it is chat demanding it, not me. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> do you have to say the phrase, do a sexy pose? No, you just say sexy pose. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you say sexy pose, then she leans over and is like, what, like this? And then just gets it's, back and up and goes And it's not even remotely sexy. It's just like she's like doing some calisthenics. You're like, okay, that wasn't, you didn't, I mean, you know. You can also do tongue twisters with her. Oh, boy. I thought you were locked in the room. Yeah, but it's just talking. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Right, no. Well played. <laughs> you got me pretty good there. <laughs> right, I'm done. I'm putting my hands up. I'm done. No yeah. more. What about you, Jen? So, I've been playing a few narrative games. Um... I was kind of debating on what to talk about. Uh, first, it was kind of like, well, I am doing something related to Sword Boyfriend for the site, but like, I've gotten an hour into Sword, Bo Sword Boyfriend, and uh, it's just a very obnoxious game that has a bunch of discourse around it that I don't really feel like it's worth retreading on this podcast. Uh, I also played through 12 Minutes, which took like uh, around four to six hours to get through the whole thing, and... That's just a bad game, and you can hear a bunch of other places talk exact talk about exactly why it's bad. Um, but uh, yeah, I figured it might be the most productive to like talk about the great Ace Attorney since I'm on the last case of the first game in that collection. Great Ace Attorney Chronicles is like a collection of both uh, Great Ace Attorney one and two, and. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to report that after our last episode where I was hoping beyond hope that uh, this new game would fix all the problems that the previous one had. Like, I wouldn't know if it... I don't know if it fixes all of them, but it does such a great job of making everything feel like a breath of fresh air that uh, it resolves most of my issues. And, like, I'm having a great time playing a Ace Attorney game again, which is really great. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of holding off. I was kind of holding off checking it out, um, just because I wanted to see what people's impressions were, and I've seen mostly pretty favorable impressions. Um, I really like that one Twitter post that went around where, which is just like they're playing this clip of like um, whatever the lawyer's name is, but him just kind of like pacing back and forth in front of the witness stand, and the person's going like, "Bro, he's walking. He's walking, man. He seems he's walking around the little court. This is amazing." <laughs> which, uh, which is basically how I feel. How I feel looking at three D three D Phoenix Wright animations. Oh yeah, like this game 
they managed to find a way to fit a bunch of characters on screen at once, and they're going to let you know every single time. Like, uh, you have a jury in the back made of around uh, six jurors who are constantly reacting to certain bits. Sometimes you zoom in and question them directly. Um, you have um, witness testimonies where you can have, like, three or four people up there at once, and... During, when you question them about certain things, you will you basically need to scan the others just to see whether they react to something that the other mentioned so you can point it out. It's just filled with a bunch of vibrant animations, and which has always been a Ace Attorney thing, but like, it's so rare to see this many characters on screen at once all doing their own little thing. It makes the world feel alive in a way that the others didn't necessarily get to before. And it's really neat. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm excited to see it, although I think part of me will always miss the charm of, like, when multiple characters are on the witness stand and they have to keep, like, fading in and out as they talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, and coming up with reasons for why one of them disappears while the other appears and all that. And just uh. sometimes when they don't do that, just thinking about the logistics of, like, Okay, where the fuck is everyone in this physical space? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I played some uh some great ace attorney as well, less than you. Um and yeah, I'm I'm I think it's pretty good. It's it's I ha I still have some of my problems. It still does like please just move away from the name thing. Maybe it works better in Japanese, but I just I don't you don't need to do this with the names ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the writing is is really charming, and it's like, oh yeah, after playing uh, Spirit of Justice, it's like, oh yeah, this is just a better, better written and constructed game. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's also exciting to see the protagonist Ryunosuke Naruhoto um, basically go through being incredibly shy um, in front of everyone else, like. The very first case you have with them, and some of that carries over to the later cases as well. He's his default stance is standing incredibly upright, his eyes darting all over the place, and uh, <laughs> just raising his hand when he has an objection. Um, and you kind of work with him as he goes from lightly tapping the desk almost inaudibly when he wants to make a point to doing the whole Phoenix Wright slam the table animation. And it's just interesting to see him grow like that over the course of that single first case and then watch as he becomes more and more confident and capable as the game goes on, I'd say. Yeah, I think in that in that first case, I think I've gone through three cases, maybe two, I don't, I think three. Um, but in that first case where he starts doing the desk slam and he does it very gently and then like quickly darts his hand to his hand darts his eyes to his hand to make sure he didn't like smash something is very cute yeah there's also the the big selling point they've been putting out there is uh your interactions with herlock shones uh as he he does this thing called the dance of deduction where music starts playing and he twirls and gestures at various bits of the environment or the suspects to basically point out something that is cluing him into the truth and 
almost all the time he's getting a gigantic detail incorrect. So now, um, so Rinosuke decides to jump in himself <laughs> the first time he sees it, and like by the very first time he's trying it, the two of them are like perfectly synchronized dancing together. <laughs> And your assistant Susato is just watching this like, wow, you just kind of immediately gelled with this guy, huh? <laughs> they, I feel like the people who love shipping Phoenix Wright and Miles Edgeworth t together are going to have a field day and are having a field day with this game. Yeah. Yeah, that's very we cute. Just, we just love intense friendships between men. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else to say about it entirely until we until I play more of it. Like I still have a whole other game in it to get through, but uh it managed to do steampunk London in a way that isn't as obnoxious as certain other visual novels I've played that do steampunk London. Like it can be a very tired visual reference from time to time but uh it is also just fun to have like herlock sholmes um carrying around a pistol that fires a bunch of various smoke grenades and stuff like that and uh watson who happens to be like a 10 year old inventor girl in this <laughs> just at one point just pulls out a freaking bazooka <laughs> and uh points it at one of the suspects it is really something Huh? No, that's, that's bad lot. cop. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, buddy, I will frag you if you don't tell me what I want to know. Let me tell you about splash damage, you little shit. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's about it for that. So I guess we'll dive into our main game here, which is uh, Overboard. It came out, I think, in July... Oh, in June. Um, it was a surprise release by Inkle, who I think talked once or twice about making it, but they just released it out of nowhere. And uh, they're the same people who made 80 Days, and it's structured somewhat similarly in terms of time progressing, but it's an interesting premise because a murder happens on this uh, ship in 1935, and you happen to be the murderer. So instead of it being a who done it, it's a it's a I did it. it. Yeah, you done it. <laughs> and you basically have to find a way to land in New York and um get away with murder. Or as the case may be, multiple murders if you are incredibly sloppy or vindictive. I'll just I'll just say it right out. I never had to do multiple murders. You, we're going to have some conversation then, aren't we? <laughs> just, listen, I would, I just execute the frame-ups. I don't know, why are we talking well, about murders? Because then you have the little, the little checklist of, like, things you should try. And one of them is kill everyone on the boat. And you're like, what? huh, interesting. Why would I'm I guessing... do that? Well, <laughs> it's funny you should ask. <laughs> Um, I like. I feel like. I feel like we need more framing before we get into that. Before I jump straight into the genocide run. No, I should. I should not call it that. Uh, that's classically what it's called. But 
uh, like the mass murder run. Also, aren't there more than seven people on that boat? There are. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a maid. No. There's. <laughs> hmm? Yeah, you're you're not wrong. It's just, I mean, the game explains why you don't get to finish. I guess I would say <laughs> the ending occurs before you could literally kill everyone on the boat. No. Okay. Fair. But yeah, uh, you're playing a actress named Veronica Villensley, um, who happens to be traveling with her cheating husband and like cheating in the middle and fascist of... husband. This is yes, cheat. <laughs> cheating and fascist. So at one point, enough is enough. So you just push him off the boat, and uh, like after you do that, of course, everyone's gonna wonder where he is because it's a small boat and someone or more than one person may have seen something so you're basically looping in time again and again uh finding out more information and doing your best to commit the perfect crime mm -hmm. and the game does like kind of a they do kind of like a series of um of like it reframes itself multiple times i guess because first first of like First off, your objective, probably you're just going to get pinned for the murder. So your objective is, well, I have to avoid getting caught. And then once you're successfully uh, don't get caught, you know, they go, well, you didn't get caught. But um, likely the way that you have not gotten caught is by framing your husband's death as a suicide. And it's revealed later that, um, you know, you won't get his life insurance money and now you are broke. So... The objective becomes don't get caught and frame somebody for murder. And then uh, when you frame someone for murder, you get the money, but you also get blackmailed by a mysterious person on the boat who, like, knows what you've done. So then your objective becomes don't get caught, frame someone for murder, figure out who the blackmailer is, and probably kill two birds with one stone and frame them for murder. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of like, that's just like the structure of the game is it kind of like unfurls more overall objectives over time. And, and also, as Six mentioned, like, will give you little clues. Like, what does that key do? Try getting that key. Or like, talk to this guy and figure out what his deal is, you know. Um, so it like really, it really wants you to just kind of like poke around the boat and do a bunch of weird stuff and, and see what you can find out. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah you do have two aces up your sleeve from the get-go without doing anything else one um commander anders the captain of the ship happened to see what you did but um he's willing to let it slide and also help you out when possible and uh i guess the other hmm I mean, the other ace in the hole is that you have uh, another friend on the boat, God. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say is the other is the other ace in the hole that you. I mean, God is not your friend in this game. No, <laughs> I mean he's your friend. He's just he's just one of those friends who hates you and thinks you're a piece of shit. That's not a friend. Six. Wait, that's not a friend. Do I need to reassess all my relationships? <laughs> <laughs> yeah your thing with him is that you can go to the chapel and pray and he'll just talk about how rich it is that you're coming to him for advice and 
talk down to you, but if you keep pressing, he will just say, he'll occasionally drop something that you can use as actual, as an actual tip to advance. Yeah. You just gotta, uh, you just gotta, uh, like, sit through the part where he goes like, what's up, you fake bitch? I'm so <laughs> sick of you. <laughs> Did either uh, of you get the dialogue in the chapel where you can look at, like, the, the alms bowl or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I just love where it's like, don't even dare. You cut so, that out. You can do extra stuff with that. Um, if you get the money from Malcolm's jacket, you can mm-hmm. donate a, a, an okay chunk. And he's like, pathetic. Get lost. Um, <laughs> but also, if you go there, I think you have to trigger a certain series of events. But someone else will go to the chapel and drop off some money. And you can go and take the money. And he's like... Are you fucking serious right now? <laughs> As if you haven't done enough. <laughs> also, um, Cl- Clarissa Turpentine, uh, the woman your husband was cheating with, um, has a stack of bad poetry in her room, and you can take one of the poems, bring them to God, and you could just laugh over the bad poetry together. <laughs> Which doesn't seem very godlike, but that's something you could do. <laughs> I mean, he's a mean bitch. This is established <laughs> from moment one. <laughs> that is true, yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I don't think... Listen, I don't know of many religious people who would describe God as a mean bitch, but there are certainly many religious conceptions of God in which God is a mean bitch. Yeah. Yeah. There's a... So, you didn't get the objective to kill everyone, Olivia. I, I like, did eventually, but I just, like, had no interest in that, really. Mm-hmm. I just wanted, I was curious, because the way you get it is through a conversation, or maybe there are multiple ways to get it, but the way I got it was through a conversation with God, where I was like, how do I know you're not the other guy? And he's like, because you know what the other guy would say, kill everybody. And you're like, good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so killing everyone on board requires, like, a very precise time scheduling just to... Like, the way that you kill almost everyone on board is by getting them up to the top of the boat and just telling them, oh, hey, dolphins are down there, and you just keep pushing them. But uh, you eventually you also get a hand on uh, Major Sarbit Singh's uh, sword, and you basically use that to get both him and Anders. And when you stab Anders... The two of you start turning into dolphins and then just fall off, fall overboard as dolphins. <laughs> and Veronica hates dolphins. Okay. Yeah, that, that's like a reassuring motif. That's a reoccurring motif throughout the game. Oh, no, I, I got that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I got I think... the sense there was there were a few different dialogues in which she indicated her disdain for dolphins. There's one of those, because, you know, the pushing pushing Malcolm overboard after successful runs, it changes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I heard all of them, because it kept changing. But one of them is, is you know, the dialogue, like the text, the pop-ups are always the same. But yeah. what Veronica is saying changes. And one of them is her just being like, I hate dolphins. God, I hate dolphins. Fucking dolphins. And then it's like, all right, play the game. And you're like... Okay. <laughs> the, um, the scream that plays when Malcolm falls overboard was so loud. Um, <laughs> every time it kind of hurt my ears. I don't know. Oh, wow. it, huh. it was just really much louder than anything else in the game. And I don't know what was up with that, but it was super hmm. loud. 
there's some point I started to wonder, like, how is it only two people who have an idea that he went overboard? He's so loud. I mean, you know, everybody, everybody screams sometimes. Um, I don't, it wasn't, maybe it was an audio bug or something. I played it on Switch. It was not that loud on Switch. Yeah, it might have been. Maybe something just got installed weird, but hmm. his, his scream is by far the loudest thing in the game. Seconded only by the splash sound effect. <laughs> that was also really loud. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, so it might just be a PC thing. Huh. I see. But yeah, you want to go down the characters on the boat? Just kind of... Yeah, that might be a good idea. Um, we mentioned Clarissa Turpentine earlier. She's the woman sleeping with your husband. Uh, immediately thinks that... Well, if left to her own devices, she'll think that you pushed him yourself, but... If you talk to her and you're like, oh, what's going on? His, why are you acting like this? She'll think that you just drove him to suicide. And uh, you can also kind of... Uh, you can also kind of... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, she's basically one of like the major dangers of every run. Because she's the first person, most of the time, who's going to point at you and be like, you killed that man. So you most like successful runs either involve a way to like shield yourself against her accusations or like um damage her credibility but she's also not like she is like the first danger but she's also not that major of a danger because she's a naive moron (laughs) she she is really easy to hoodwink but you know on the first run if you don't figure out what to do she is going to be the one who gets you uh, if you perhaps early on get impatient and just push her overboard and then Lady H walks up and is like, damn, I don't think you had that in you. And you're like, oh, check it out, dolphins, and push her too. And as she's falling, she yells, bitch. Um, <laughs> and then Anders is like, listen, we got to talk. <laughs> and you're like, that's fair. <laughs> uh, see, I... <laughs> I think part of the reason I didn't do as many murders as you did, Six, is because I played this game quite cautiously. In every single conversation, I was like, okay, I have to give them the exact same story about how I saw Malcolm last night. We went to bed, and then I woke up, and he was just gone. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> like, it, it would have to be a very, like, a lot of things would have to go wrong for me to kill someone in this game. Yeah, it's, um, (laughs) meanwhile, I'm secretly maybe the most bloodthirsty one here because I'm the one who (laughs) revealed to six through a screenshot that you could kill other people (laughs) because I killed the first person who knocked on my door. (laughs) Why did you kill that guy? Right? He was just standing there. I did it as part of the kill everyone run, but otherwise I didn't do it because Jen was like, like, uh, like, what what happened? You were like, you did like the Malcolm voice, like, oh, it's me, come in. And it came in as like, Malcolm's not here. And you're like, uh, you immediately murdered him. It's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> no, I, I told, I, I let him come in. I also told him like, oh, my husband's just uh, in the shower over there. It's, it's all good. And he acted with, he reacted with suspicion to that. So I was like, oh, one more thing. Watch out. And then I hit him with the dolphin. <laughs> Yeah, he See, probably would just, just yeah, because the shower wasn't running, Jen. <laughs> See, I would just not let him. I would just not let him come in the room and talk to him briefly through the door, and then wave him away. Yeah, it's so easy <laughs> because that is his job. 
His job is just to tell you breakfast is ready, and then you go, okay, thank you, baby, and then let him go. <laughs> like, he's just at work. Yeah, I should also mention that briefly just touching on 12 minutes again, the first thing I did, like, as soon as I looped was immediately just killed the other person in the room. So, like, maybe that's just a thing I have with time loops, so. I mean, that is that is an interesting thing, recording this after the release of 12 minutes, which I suspect everyone here thinks is not a very well-written game. I read one of those, like, ending explained articles, and I was like, man, this is dumb as shit. Um, it's my my official review of 12 minutes but like I I played a little bit of 12 minutes and then I figured out like I I got spoilers about what it was about and I was like I don't want to keep playing this Um, I can do other things with my time Um, but it's interesting because in 12 minutes like it's another time loop murder mystery that's released this year but like I was pretty. I, I feel like I played closer to your play style, Olivia, where that I was more like I was more cautious, and I I basically didn't want to upset or hurt things around me. But like, I think the only person in this game who I would feel bad about murder. Okay, I would feel bad about murdering Singh. I guess he seems all right. And Anders. Everyone else fucking sucks. Why <laughs> am I supposed to feel bad about throwing Clarissa overboard? She's a little turd. People can be little turds, and they don't deserve death. Yeah, I disagree. (laughs) She's just slightly unpleasant. Also, like, um, Richard Carstairs, like, he is a- he is obnoxious, and he will, like- he's the most- he's one of the more dangerous people compared to Clarissa, because, like, he'll immediately go on deck and find your earring, but, uh... Every, every single loop was just a mad dash to get to the to fucking get deck earring. before Carstairs shows up and <laughs> yeah. finds the earring. But, yeah, like, he's helping smuggle someone out of Germany during the rise of Adolf Hitler, so, like, he's, he's up to things that, um... One could maybe construe as good-natured. It's and true. It's just uh, there are enough people on here that there are people I felt okay about murdering, especially Lady H. She sucks so much. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Listen, she's a bad lady. I'm just saying that, like, not everyone deserves death for displeasing you. I just, I just, you're just, you're just speaking nonsense. I don't get it. <laughs> so yeah. Car, uh, yeah, Carstairs, another guy. He, yeah, he's like a card guy. Um, there's like half the people on the boat are convinced he's gay. Um, just trying to think of other things about him that Jen didn't already say. He, he's definitely cheating at cards, right? Like <laughs> when he's playing with you, I'm almost positive that he's rigging the game so you lose. I'm pretty sure that's true. I think he's gotta be. Like, he knows yeah. you're not good at cards, so might as well just cheat and take your money. Well, and also he's explaining that, like, ah, yes, <laughs> I spent this whole trip robbing your husband. Like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, though I also felt like one of the worst things you can do in this game is find out about the woman he's smuggling from Germany and be like, oh, so now that I know about this... You're going to give me all your money. You're just going to deal me the right cards here so I can take your money. And it's like, oh, God, this is this is some this somehow makes me feel even more awful than like all of the murder we've been committing. 
Yeah, I never did that. Yeah. I mean, I murdered everyone, but <laughs> I have standards. <laughs> There's basically a... One of the uh, long-term objectives is to, like... Well, it's something you can repeat a bunch of times, but basically getting enough money to get the blackmail material from Lady Honoria uh, Armstrong about Commander Anders to kind of find out about it. And uh, mm. there's a bunch of ways to do that that involve, like, pulling in money from either your dead husband's wallet and the alms bowl and stuff like that, or by cheating Carstairs out of his money and things like that. Mm, I see. I just I just went into her room and took it. Yeah, I also but just that makes took sense. it. <laughs> I, once I figured out how to get Anders' key that, like, opens every door, I was like, all right, baby, let's go. And I just went in every single room and just foraged around until I found something interesting. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I went into Carstairs' room once and immediately got clubbed on the head. And I was like, I'm going to leave that room alone. <laughs> um, yeah, that also happened to me. I was like, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But, so how did you get the passkey, Olivia? Um, so basically the first way that I found it was you basically have to go to the bridge in the morning. Okay, this one. <laughs> yeah, and just kind of like, um, how do we want to phrase this on a family-friendly podcast? <laughs> is that what this is? We have covered literal <laughs> porn on here, Olivia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just have to like come on to Anders hard enough while like also talking about the key that he eventually he just gives you the key so you don't try to like have sex with him on the bridge while he's working. Is that how um, you read that? Interesting. Oh. Okay, because yeah, like that's, that's not how that's I I don't think that's what's happening in that scene. What do you think is happening in that scene, Jen? Take it away. <laughs> you basically give this guy a hand job, and while he's distracted, well, while he's feeling that, you basically take the passkey and is like, oh, there's nothing you can do about this. Bye. <laughs> okay, that's basically what I said. No, it's not. <laughs> basically what i was thinking you said you were like you were like you were real flirty like no there was some (laughs) okay whatever i didn't miss it you put your hand down his pants (laughs) i didn't miss that part i'm just like do i need to go over it in every single detail no i don't okay uh i only discovered that one pretty late because i pretty routinely just did the thing where you get Malcolm's room key and then uh, sleep with Anders and then while he's in the bathroom you swap the keys oh, that oh that's sense. how you do it that's <laughs> yeah. a lot more involved than my method <laughs> but it works so, so well it's I got so sick of seeing that scene by the end of it like the fourth <laughs> time I had to steal the key I was like man how many times do I have to give this man a hand job <laughs> I was like there's gotta be an easier way to do this but I figured out this way so there was a lot of like, I'm sure there's other ways to accomplish this objective, but I found one that works, so I'm just going to stick with that. Sure. Every time I need to do this thing. Yeah, and the game also has like a fast forward option of sorts where it just pushes you through the more recent choices you made if you hold down a button. So mm-hmm. to some degree, you don't have to worry about reading too much of the same text over and over when you're trying when you're going through the same motions to get to a different outcome 
can I say? You know what was really annoying is uh, Veronica has those sleeping pills in her room, which can Mm -hmm. become evidence against her um, because of the, like, psychotropic side effects of the sleeping pills. And there is, like, just barely not enough time at the beginning of a run to grab the sleeping pills and then go up to get um, your earring on the deck. There's, like... They definitely programmed it that way to, like, purposely screw with you, because it would be so elegant to just get both pieces of evidence, but you you can't do that right away. I mean, you could just do it the other order. Yeah, but The maid doesn't not... come for hours. That's not as elegant, though. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Why would... I, I start in the room, just let me take the pills and then go to the deck, and then I guess I have all of the evidence on me, which is, you know, not not suspicious. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so you can, you can use those to f- frame Clarissa in mm-hmm. a great way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did a really bad job my first time where I was like, I put the pills in her room and I dropped my earring and then the confrontation came and she was like, she dropped her stupid earring in here. Like, I guess to set me up and, and, and the, and the, and the, and the steward was like, pardon me, but we actually found sleeping pills in your room, quite powerful ones. And Clarissa was like, what? Those aren't mine. And he's like, I know they had Lady Villainsley's name on them. And I was like, shit, <laughs> I probably should have removed that. <laughs> I, I think when I framed her, the way that I framed her was basically just like convincing her that it was her fault that that Malcolm jumped, you know? So she thought that he had jumped of his own accord, but it was because of like out of guilt for his affair um, mm-hmm. with her. So that she, it was like a weird situation where she didn't literally kill him, but she took the blame for it. And I guess that was good enough for the insurance company. Oh, it can get much darker than that. I know it can get much darker than that. <laughs> uh, so you did you did see the one where you convinced her that he was just playing her the whole time? I looked up like after I had like finished the game, I went and I looked up the different ways. So I didn't see a lot of I didn't see like that root firsthand, but like I read the different ways that you could like convince Clarissa, and I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> Yeah, the dialogue around being like, oh, yeah, here's one of your poems. He brought it to me and we were laughing about it is brutal. Yeah. Mm. I, feel, yeah. I feel bad for, for for Clarissa, honestly. She just writes poems that suck and, and cheated on me with my fascist husband. <laughs> I mean, listen, if, if, if she had better taste in men, I might be sympathetic, but that's, you know. I do love um, you, how you can go down to the smoking room once Carstairs and Singer in there, and you're just talking about your husband, and you're like, yeah, well, he's kind of a fascist dipshit, isn't he? Sorry that he's your husband. Yeah, that, that scene is very funny, because both of them are just, like, trying to find various ways to, like, break to you all of the stuff that your husband has gotten up to. Um, I love the dialogue where they're like, um, we played a lot of cards with him, and he really liked cards. Well, he really liked, uh, losing at cards, specifically. Yeah, he owes <laughs> us a lot of money. <laughs> and Veronica's just like, ah, well, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah. Sleeves. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> uh. 
Yeah, they even they even let you know that he's been shit talking you behind your back. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if you press them to shit talk about him, they're like, "Well, we we would never." But like you you know by now that he's not a good person. <laughs> they shit they shit talk him by letting you in on all the stuff he's been doing, you know? Yeah. They would never say anything bad about him personally, but wouldn't you know it? He just so happened. That's where a lot of that comes in. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I was really scared. The first time I heard about, like, heard, not the first time I heard about this game, because I, you know, saw the reveal trailer. But the first time I heard someone talking about this game, it was on a pod. It might have been Waypoint Radio. I don't quite remember. But it was framed really like, oh, man, like, you know, Subida Major Singh is really like, oh, he's a crack detective. And like, you're just, you're just going to be fucked. Um, I was really intimidated by that. And I played the game. I'm like, oh, he's not all that. He's real. He is not the one I have to worry about basically at all. No, he's kind of just like, he's kind of just like the guy who is like the closest to a cop they have on this ship. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's a lot more like the the office of authority than like actually figuring out. Because I think I was also sold on him as a kind of like Columbo type detective who would just kind of like hunt you down for figuring out this murder. But that's not his vibe at all, really. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just a grandpa. He just wants to officiate the, the like the detective party. He doesn't really yeah. need to do the work. He just wants to get everyone in the parlor so that they can like announce who the uh, the killer is. And I can't blame him for that. Yeah. It's a classic pastime. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, like, he'll more or less go along with anything the rest of the group decides. So you can very easily get him to believe that uh, your husband killed himself or that uh, um, Clarissa was responsible for it or things like that. Mm-hmm. Did you, did either of you get the um did either of you get the scene um where he like comes to get you in the chapel after you've gotten the blackmail note? Yes. <laughs> no, tell me about well, this. You can if you're in so if you're in your room at a specific time, you'll see like a blackmail note that's been pushed under the door that says like I know what you did, come to the chapel at like Right. 2 p.m. or something yada yada and if you go it's the major who shows up and he's like oh hey lady h told me to go to the chapel at this time and said whoever was there would be the murderer so can you come with me please oh Oh, interesting a different person showed up for me like uh (laughs) anders showed up for me was like you really fell for this old trick, didn't you? I'm so embarrassed we we have to go to the parlor now i'm sorry see what (laughs) happened for me is i went there um, pretty early, and God was like, you know, no, no one's gonna show up, right? And I was like, ah, damn it, and I left. <laughs> <laughs> see, God, God helps you out there. Yeah, see, that's why I say we're friends. Uh, but yeah, it, the major is, he really just kind of is like a, a kindly old grandpa who wants to, like, do his parlor scene. Mm-hmm. Mostly, mostly the way that he got in my way throughout the game was just like being in the smoking room when I was trying to get Malcolm's jacket. I'd be like, "Buddy, can you go somewhere else on this boat, please?" But my schedules no, kept my schedules kept working here. out. Yeah, yeah, he'd just be. You can't go and like get Malcolm's jacket, which has you know uh, the key to Clarissa's room, when anyone else is in the smoking room. So 
you gotta find like the right time yeah uh, don't go to breakfast. Breakfast is a trap. Breakfast is a trap. <laughs> I kept going to breakfast because I was like, well, I gotta pretend like things are normal. But if you don't go to breakfast, nobody cares. Well, I, I was, I, I just immediately, I went to breakfast like once just to see it. But I was immediately like, no, if I'm playing the role, Malcolm's missing. I'm skipping dinner or breakfast because I'm worried. And I just never went. Mm. That makes so. sense. Maybe I'm just a person who would eat, who eats breakfast all the time, no matter what, and it bleeds yeah. into my murder plans. I basically never eat <laughs> breakfast. Mm, that's your advantage if you ever kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> then you don't feel obligated to go to breakfast the next day. Yes. If I ever kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Six, how do you think this holds up compared to, like, the other ankle games you played i know that you've played 80 days but i'm not sure whether you've played any of their other stuff i poked at sorcery and i bounced off because it was very stat heavy it was closer to like it was somewhere between like a proper tabletop game and a choose your own adventure and i just didn't gel with it though i hear good things maybe i should try again um i definitely like uh 80 days more i think the possibility space of 80 days and the various scenarios you go through there are really cool um Mm. And, you know, there's something else to be said just for the fact that it's, it's, it's big and there's a lot of stuff you can do. Um, I finished this game pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, right? Like, short games are good. I, I can see having very positive things to say about this game and parts of it at the end of the year, right? I had a great time. But it is a very compact little experience, and then it's over. Um, so, you know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, it's definitely one of those situations where I feel like as the years have gone on, they've somewhat leaned further away from sorcery and got closer to an 80-day style model. Like, uh, apparently you move around a lot more in Heaven's Vault since that has a bit more going on for it visually. And uh, Pendragon is more like a strategy game of sorts with a... Um, bendable story, but... Uh, oh, right. I keep forgetting about Pendragon. I need to check that out. Yeah, I've been meaning to check it out at some point, too. But, uh, yeah, overall, I had, a pretty good, I had a pretty good time with Overboard, and uh, I did also feel like it took me around uh, four and a half hours to see everything, and if it had gone a little bit longer, I would probably be a little less positive on it, but uh, <laughs> I had a pretty good time with it. No. I got I I eventually got an ending where I just got, uh, you know, Lady H, uh, convicted for the murder and she was the blackmailer. So very neat and tidy. She's also a huge piece of shit. So didn't even feel bad about it. <laughs> for a game about like committing murder, they really they really want to let you get away with it. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you can extremely get the ending where it's like, well, it all worked out. Well, Mr. A- well, Commander Anders, it looks like I've gotten rid of the most annoying person in my life, and I also got rid of the most annoying person in your life, so... <laughs> Are you doing anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a- Anders' whole thing, it should be mentioned, like, the blackmail that Lady H has on him is that uh, he basically... Um, he ended up killing the person who had his uh, name and position in order to get there. 
and it seemed like it was because of a desperate need and now that he's here he's kind of he's more or less being blackmailed by lady h so that she can get free trips all around the world all the time so he's pretty eager to help you out uh with the potential of getting rid of Lady H as well, or at least getting rid of the blackmail she has on him. Yeah, it's revealed um, eventually that Lady H is basically like a serial blackmailer. This is like her whole vibe now. is just finding compromising information on people and then extorting them for like money or favors. Yeah, and it's interesting the way that unfolds because like initially it's a situation where you're listening to her and she just seems like the kind of person who learns a lot about people and then shit talks that she takes she shit talks about them behind their back mm-hmm. and it's like oh okay she's just one of those people but then like you find out oh she's even more than that she takes that information and if it's juicy enough she'll just hold on to you for life yeah she i like the kind of touch they do with her where you can get along with her pretty well but if you talk to other people about her i think multiple characters will tell you yeah she really doesn't like you veronica like you specifically she seems to have a beef with so watch out for that and uh i don't know if she necessarily has like a personal beef with you but if you know she's more than willing to blackmail you for the rest of your life yeah yeah um there's also i had a i had one thing that i never checked off my list like she, well, you find out from the major that she's been telling people that the ship is sinking, and yeah, I never figured that out either. Yeah. Oh, like that one's really simple. Yeah. Um, that is just her trying to get people to investigate Malcolm falling overboard. Oh. Because oh, there's because okay. if you t- if you get her to talk about it and you compare it to others, she's like, oh yeah, I heard something fall off the ship last night. It must have been a part of the ship, but obviously she saw you push Malcolm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's actually not that not that complicated of a loose end. Okay, I didn't follow it up that much because I was like, well, the ship makes it to New York every time, so clearly it's <laughs> not sinking. So I don't know. Maybe I should just keep rooting around in people's rooms to try to find interesting stuff. Yeah, I think they assume you you would like check that one out pretty early because it feels like a pretty a pretty shallow fork. Yeah. Did you like? Does Carstairs ever make good on his threat and actually try to murder you if you end up being too loose with his secret? I uh, every I time I found out, I got fucking murdered. So I don't know. <laughs> Or not murdered, oh, knocked okay. out. Knocked out, excuse me. But yeah, I, don't, I, I never really got to do anything with his secret, so I couldn't tell you. I found out about it, and I was like, well, that's none of my business. <laughs> Didn't really follow up on it. Yeah, I, I let him know, and he just repeatedly was like, hey, just so you know, if you tell people around, I, I'm just going to kill you. <laughs> so... I think I tried telling one or two people just to see what happened, but they ended up catching me for other things, so the trial played out like normal. So, yeah, I'm not aware if he eventually makes good on his promise or not. I think he could. I believe in him. (laughs) You believe in this guy to just eventually murder you if you... He's get just, on his bad side. He's a shady little rat. I don't trust him. But I believe in him. 
I do like the option where when you beat him on the deck, and he's like, you want to take a turn around the boat? And you could just be like, I'm not five, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said that more diplomatically, but I'm like, I, Mr. Carstairs, I have limited time. I'm trying to not get caught for murder. Please do not waste my time. <laughs> Some. Yeah. This game will really get you with, like, time-wasting options. Because, like, every time you do a dialogue option, time advances. And especially if you're trying to complete certain objectives, like, if you have talked to someone for too long, you'll miss it. So, sometimes you just gotta be really curt with people. Yeah, and, like, even if you're just sitting at the map screen or setting out a choice, time will just start flowing. So, it has no patience for you thinking things out. This is my eternal thing with Inkle games. <laughs> Listen, just stop the passage of time, please. Yeah, a bunch of 80 days is me just going around in accidental circles or missing my boat to or train, as it would happen to be, um, because I just have to be overthinking something. Mm-hmm. Might be a good idea to get into questions now sure so we got a oh. couple in i enjoyed um, the soundtrack that's that's the last thing to say oh yeah good soundtrack yeah it was an interesting choice like all of the soundtrack was like um archived recordings from various u.s army bands uh from the from that same time period so yeah um so we have uh three uh, emails in. Uh, first one is from Emmanuel Matthias. Uh, Hi there, so glad that you are discussing the game. I happened to see the trailer the day the game came out, and it hooked me real good. Over the course of a week, I was super focused on it, excited to find out what new outcomes information I could find. Veronica is a delight as the game's protagonist or is it antagonist? And I enjoyed the game, I enjoyed the time I spent playing. I've got two questions for you. One, what was your favorite outcome, either good or bad? All I can say about mine is dolphins. And two, within the context of the game and the information you found, do you think there is any justification for the initial murder? From what I saw, I'd say yes. Thank you, Emmanuel Matthias. Uh, yeah, you justified. The guy sucks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely did not think that she was unjustified at all in pushing him over. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can't stress enough that he's donating to the British fascists. <laughs> uh, yeah, Veronica, you are basically just <laughs> Veronica Villainsley, anti-fascist hero. <laughs> uh, yeah, the first part was about like favorite moment, right? Like, yeah, favorite well, outcome. favorite favorite ending, basically favorite outcome. Yeah, I, I'd say that uh, the dolphins one is definitely weird enough that it's fascinating but also like you have to be very specific with your dialogue to get uh anders close enough so that you can stab him and you're just saying a bunch of wild supervillain shit to basically justify all the various murders you've been doing already <laughs> and uh it's just a very fun turn of events just to see like 
there are options if you just do murders out in the open to just cackle and just do a one-liner <laughs> while other people may be in your shot. And it's just always fun when things like that pop up. <laughs> Like, you can play it, like, the way you're supposed to play it to get through it is to play it cool, but you can take advantage of the time loop and just play full heal if you want to. Mm -hmm. Become an Umineko parent. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Start yelling about sheep and wolves. <laughs> I think my <sighs> favorite ending is honestly just, like, the first most basic successful ending. Where Veronica's like like hanging out with Anders in New York, like pour the champagne, cheers, we did it. And Anders like, yes. Funny thing about insurance though. And Veronica's like, fuck. <laughs> we need a new rich boy. <laughs> I liked um there's a conversation with Anders that I really like in the end. I think it is the ending where you framed someone else, but you haven't figured out the blackmailer. Mm -hmm. Um where they, it's basically they break the fourth wall and they talk about like, oh, on the next time through, you're really going to have to do X and they kind of discuss it. And Veronica says something mm -hmm. like, I'm so tired of these wrinkles. And Anders is like, oh, well, that's life, my dear. And then he goes like, all right, places, everyone. And then you get back to the uh, top of the game. And I thought that's just a, a fun little touch. Yeah, it's cute. Oh, yeah, I, I got a line somewhat like that. But not to that same level of degree, that same specificity. So for a while, I thought Anders was responsible for the time loop. But uh, no, it's just the game having a little bit of fun. Yeah. It's very much like the tone of this game. You know, it's like a little, a little bit of a wink and a nod. Her last name is literally Villainsley. Yeah. <laughs> By the yeah. way, she, she is the protagonist because it is her point of view in which you are inhabiting. And her point of view, which you... Uh, as the audience are primed to want to see succeed. Also, her name is Villainsley because she's married to Villainsley. Her, that's not her maiden name. Oh, that's true. Shit. <laughs> what, is her, what is her maiden name? She says it. She definitely says endings. it. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. When, yeah. You, when you, if you go to jail in New York, there's a dialogue you can say where the guard's like, all right, here's your cell, Miss Villainsley. And you could be like, well, actually, it's Miss blah, blah, blah now. And he's like, okay, ma'am, please get in your cell. You, yeah, you also get that option when you, uh, when you get away with murder. And at the end of the conversation, Anders is like, oh, Miss, Miss Villainsley, let me help you go pack. And you're like, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I do think it's kind of fun when, whenever you're like having fun with Anders, like um, when you go sleep in your room together or like in one of the scenes after, you make a point out of referencing the hat, like, oh, you got, you're going to bring your hat? And he's like, will do. <laughs> and you're like, and you're about to have sex and you're like, leave the hat on. He's like, I mean, duh. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, uh, our next email is from Safes. Uh, what's your favorite kinds of sto of murder stories, and how does this compare? Also, what's your perfect murder? Thanks. I don't have a perfect murder, officer. <laughs> yeah, the perfect <laughs> murder is the one you all don't know about that I got away with. <laughs> you know, okay, as far as, like, murder tropes, I'm always a sucker for, like, the vibe of, like, you know, when you pull a gun out on someone from behind and then you say something dramatic and shoot them. You know, mm -hmm. that's always that's always a good murder. 
I'm yeah. I, honestly my perfect murder is uh I I I really I really pop off any time in a in a like a war story where they have a shitty superior officer and they just shoot him and they're like oh man shame <laughs> got hit by enemy fire dang mm-hmm. that shit yeah <laughs> and then all of the all of his subordinates just agree together to be like oh yeah that's totally what happened nothing to see here <laughs> dang yeah it's 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 great <laughs> that's the perfect murder um. My favorite kinds of murder stories. Um, I mean, I, I am the kind of I I. When they deserve it, right? When they don't deserve it, I get sad. I like it when they deserve it. I like it when the detect when like the protagonist knows that the murderer did it, and the murderer knows that the protagonist knows, but they can't just like go knives out at each other so they have to do a bunch of like oh ho oh ho 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 well oh, so you like death note i love death note i also <laughs> i also like columbo because of just the way that columbo will like latch on to a guy and just psychologically torture him until he gives up <laughs> yeah just just torturing him by being the most Pratfall prone person just being like, I'm gonna go into your rich office and I'm just gonna knock over your books accidentally. Oh, wouldn't you know it? There's something that looks kind of suspicious here, but I'll just tease you about it for a bit. There's a there's a <laughs> Columbo episode that involves like a rich guy who did a murder and like his wife who clearly hates him. And there's a there's a subtext throughout the episode of him like thinking that Columbo is like sleeping with his wife because the wife is like really friendly with Columbo, and Columbo is definitely like encouraging this just to mess with this guy like <laughs> there's there's no reason that he has to like act like return this level of like she's like this like level of friendliness that she's showing him but he's definitely like he'll come he'll come like he'll come to the house and the the guy the husband will be like oh did you want to see me mr colombo and colombo will be like I- I actually wanted to talk to your wife for a second. If I could just, yeah, if we could just go all the way over here where you can see, but you can't hear us and we'll just talk and I'll look back at you every so often. Like, <laughs> he's such a jerk. <laughs> yeah. This this won't surprise um, either of you two or anyone listening to this, really, if this isn't your first time listening to this show. But uh, my favorite kind of murder mystery is the kind where, like, you're hanging around with someone that you think you know for several hours, then they just make a new unhinged expression. It's like, oh, geez, this person had this inside them the whole time, and they were just hiding it very well. Jen uh, Jen trying so hard not to say Sprite. (laughs) 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 You're right, I almost did say Sprite there. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and also my idea of a perfect murder is just, like, one of those very... One of those situations where you're doing something and it requires a lot of technical expertise for everyone to stay safe. So you just change the one thing that would make it unsafe. Like you loosen an oxygen valve during deep sea diving or you like cut a bit of a fugu fish the wrong way or something like that. And that just can get passed off easily as an accident, even though you know what you did. Um, tangentially related, I guess, but I just want to call out this, like, 
part of a mystery novel I read last year that I really liked. It's uh, it was a book called the the Guest List by Lucy Foley, um, and that is that's like a murder mystery that kind of like jumps between the present and like the future. So like, you know that somebody gets killed at this wedding, but you're like not sure who. So every time it will cut forward, you're kind of like looking for clues and trying to figure out like, okay, who's not in this scene? Who do I like know, you know, whose whereabouts do I know at this point? Yada, yada. Um, And it's also a book that like jumps around between different points of view and the chapters are labeled like, you know, like, the sister, the bride, the, the the nephew, something, something like that. And then there's a really great moment in that book where something happens where you figure out like, oh, this character's going to get killed. And then it goes to a POV chapter for them. And the chapter is just called The Victim. And it's like, <laughs> it's just, just such a good, like, goofy metafictional moment that I really think about a lot. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm going to need to read that book. That sounds really good. It's a fun book. I will also just add impromptu of nothing. I mean, apropos of nothing, just uh, I will say my least favorite uh, murder trope, and that's the protagonist did it, but they're just withholding the information from you until like the end of the story or like halfway through the story. Like (laughs) it's something that doesn't happen in a lot of the fiction I read, but it has happened in a number of mystery video games I've played. Like, uh, there's bits of heavy rain where you're controlling a specific character, and it if they show just, like, a second more of what that character was up to, you would know that, oh yeah, this is the killer, but they never say or act like they're the killer when you're in control of them. So, mm-hmm. that always just feels like a really dirty trick to me. Yeah, I, I feel similarly about uh, like it's it's not necessarily protagonist, but when like <sighs> when murder mysteries just literally don't give you the information that you need, I find that really exasperating. Um, I would shout out some of some of the later entries in the the last entry in the nine 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 series zero time dilemma. I got really mad at for this as just one example. Yeah, Zero Time Dilemma is so focused on, like, checking off every other time travel trope they haven't done yet that uh, the actual mystery surrounding it feels very sloppy in comparison to 999 or Virtue's Last Reward. Yeah. Uh, We do have one last email from Kyrie. Time loops in game design are fascinating, but they are a challenge. Make the loops too short and things become repetitive. Make the loops too long and it drags. While some games get time loops right, Majora's Mask comes to mind, others can really falter, such as the recent released 12 minutes. Do you feel Overboard uses time loops effectively, and what design lessons can other time loop games learn from Overboard? So I'd say one of the big ones is that... uh... As I mentioned earlier with uh, Overboard, it does a good job of like letting you fast forward through texts and uh, letting you fast forward through certain decisions to point. Like, if an option is green, you just hold fast forward; it'll take you through it. But and it also like delays for a second, just in case you were holding fast forward to get to the choice. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also helps that it's text because like. One of the big issues with 12 minutes is that you're just hearing the same voice acting again and again for certain moments. And they try to have different readings through various loops occasionally, but uh, 
it is still just listening to the same dialogue and not being able to page through it because you're not in control of the time around you at all. Well, actually, you can fast forward, but it does a little... It, it makes a point of still just showing a fast forward happening and it's not as elegant as I'd say something like Overboard is. Yeah. I also think games should make use of the uh, um, the thing this game does where once you complete a time loop, it gives you like slightly different opening narration. That, I think, actually did a lot for me. Yeah. I, yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but I actually would agree thinking about it. Like, it's a nice little, like, it's a nice little, like, oh, something's different this time. Um, even if you're really just like setting out to try uh, to do the trick that you failed to do last time, loop, um, uh-huh. it's a good touch. Yeah. Um, actually, another good point. Co- another good uh, point of comparison would be the game Nosha, which is also a time travel murder mystery. But uh, I feel like it has a little less variation in terms of like its opening moments, like. You do wake up in different places sometimes, but uh, you run into repeating dialogue far more often there than you do in these other situations. And there's not really many places to branch out because the repeating dialogue is like a mechanic to represent a certain action being taken, like during this voting of their werewolf-style interface. So... Oh, like, duh. I played... I, I For some reason, I was just spelling Nosha weird in my head. I also played that game. Yeah, you're right. That game has some serious time loop problems. The other... Th- that's... I think that commits the cardinal sin of having the time loops, like, branches variant on RNG that you can't control. Oh, God. So you, you yeah. can do everything right, and it's just like, no, you don't get to see new content this time because the dice rolled uh, again. Because it's, like... It's a it's a werewolf game, but everyone else is an NPC, and so you can do everything right, and the game will just randomly be like, eh, everyone decided to vote you to die. Yeah. Also, it has a leveling system with various stats, so if you aren't putting enough stats in the likability section or believability, it's possible that you say all the right things and they still don't believe you. Yeah. It's, uh... I, I like Nosha, but it's it handles this quite badly. <laughs> yeah. The last thing you want to do in a murder mystery visual novel style situation is grind for experience points, but that's something you have to do in this one. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Olivia? Uh, I think like in terms of time loops in general, I think, one thing that I like that Overboard does is I feel like there is, in in a lot of places, I think there's some level of give to the, the order of events. Some places are kind of strict in terms of timing, um, but I but I think in a lot of places, it's not like you have to keep almost the exact schedule um, every time. Um, you have a little bit of wiggle room and I think that was helpful for me kind of like coming around to realizing I can do something and then just kind of like figuring it out in the, in the next loop. Um, I didn't have any parts of this game where necessarily where I was like, I know what I want to do, but I just can't 
like I just can't figure it out because of the timing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I, ta- I think I talked about that once or twice, but I'm mostly just exaggerating. I think it actually kind of discovering the different possibilities actually worked out pretty smooth for me. Cool. Yeah, the checklist helps a whole lot in just pushing you to try different things. And uh, that's definitely something I could have used when I was playing 12 Minutes. God, I would love it if they did a patch to 80 Days to sort of indicate what paths you had tried recently. Hmm. Because I end up doing the same roads over and over because the game is long enough that I just don't fucking remember. But. Yeah, it would it would be nice to just have a little compendium of experiences you've already had. Like, as much as I bemoan achievements sometimes, they are pretty good at helping you realize, oh, okay, I've tried that already. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I think that's all we got for, for emails. Uh, thank you, everyone, for emailing in. And if you want to uh, send a message, it's abnormalmappingpodcast.com at gmail.com don't forget to include the subject novel not news so people know of all the the myriad shows on this network who you're emailing for yeah there's a lot of shows on here (laughs) which which is great but also it's occasionally i think some emails may get lost just because it doesn't specify who it's for Mm -hmm. but uh yeah um why don't you tell us about the game we're going to be playing next olivia yeah, so uh, next time we are going to be playing Four Horsemen, which is a visual novel about basically like immigration um, in which you play um, kind of like a, a cast of teenagers who have like um, who are immigrants um, and basically like the their homeland and the countries that they've immigrated through is kind of like something you can set. Um, so there's, you know, different routes um, that kind of focus on different like aspects of like the immigrant experience and like different reactions that the characters uh can have to like what they face in their new countries of residence and like how they want to interface with the new culture they're living in and like their home culture and different difficulties and things like that so yeah nice uh and yeah yeah that's that's on did you mention that's that's on itch that's on itch and it's also on steam Oh, it's on Steam. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and if you happen to have supported the um, the racist ju- justice bundle that was uh, on itch like a year or two ago, um, actually one year ago, it uh, it came as part of that, so you can grab it there too. Um, if you happen to get that bundle back then. Mm-hmm. Not to blow you up, Jen, but racial justice, racist justice, is a Oh, right, yeah. Different outcome. <laughs> yeah, the, the racial justice bundle. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm very tongue-tied today. Wow, there's... Anyway, uh, it has, it's been out on Steam since 2017. It has four user reviews. That's a crime. Jeez. Yeah, the, the bummer about uh, indie visual novels is that uh, they, ne- they, they don't necessarily get as much exposure as other games so it can be easy for everyone to either just buy their copies on itch or just have very low steam sales yeah but yeah that's gonna do it for novel not new this time and uh we'll see you next time for four horsemen 
Uh, Jen, have a good one, folks. Jen, oh, wait, we should do plugs. <laughs> yeah, we should do plugs. Sorry. Um, you can find me on Twitter at JBU3. Uh, most of my work is on scanlinemedia.com. But you can also find other podcasts we do at uh, patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. And uh, how about you, Olivia? You can find me on Twitter at Great Grieve, um, where I have a pinned tweet up at the top where you can go check out my other podcasts. So, yeah. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at SixDetmar, S-A-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R. Uh, you can also find my work at scanlinemedia.com and patreon.com at scanlinemedia, just like Jen. Um, and that's that's it. Yeah, that's going to do it for us this time. So, uh, until next time... Uh, Oh, I was about to, I was about to do read on from our different podcasts, but that's a different podcast. So good night, everyone. Good night. Quick save. <laughs>